Well, welcome to another episode of On The Couch with myself, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. And I have to say, it's a little left field today. It's a bit of an antidote to reporting season, as today we're talking to a friend of mine, Professor Mike Conway, who is a fantastic guy, a musician, and owns a business which has been very successful. And more importantly, for our benefit today, he's also a massive performance coach and has worked with some of the greats. And just chatting off air, you get an idea of what sort of people he's worked with over the years. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to Mike. He's a strategist, a leader, and a consultant at executive level, and has worked for Deloitte and EY, and also was MD of the Wiggles. So that's an interesting uh, past for Mike as well. Um, He is known for his unconventional approach to a winning mental strategy, and that's what we're going to be looking at today for investors, trying to get that... winning investor strategy and getting out of some of the bad habits. Uh, He's also been working with our national football team and works with Sydney FC as well. So he's an accomplished guy and not only that, really nice guy. And I played football with Mike and he's a pretty good footballer as well. So welcome, Mike. Really looking forward to chatting to you today. Oh, Henry, it's a great, great pleasure to be here on this this beautiful day in in our location that we're in. It is. It's called call my room at home. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're all doing that. Just just before we kick off, I must remind everyone that this is general advice only. And this really is general advice, this uh, this session on the podcast. It is general advice only. So please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this podcast. So Mike, you have a company, uh, a very successful company called X Ventures. Tell us about X Ventures and what what it does. Okay. yeah, it's it's a, a, an amalgamation of lots of different ideas, which is then taken us in all sorts of different directions. But essentially, my background is what I spend most of my time in. My background's in behavioral and social sciences. So we spend most of our time helping either individuals, teams, organizations to fine tune themselves, to find the extra percenters to get a winning performance. So it is always about a goal. Um, and those those organizations and teams and people can range from literally an athlete, an Olympian, or someone who aspires to be an Olympian, or a CEO who aspires to be a better CEO, or it could be a major organization which is going through change. And we apply behavioral systems and social systems to enable that to work more effectively. So that's it. And the way that we deliver that could be in a TV show. So we've undertaken and built national television shows, both here in New Zealand, Channel 10 and TV3, where we bring teenagers and parents together to learn from each other. So we've done that. We've actually built, you know, huge big programs more recently online where we're taking virtual reality solutions and trying to help people understand themselves more effectively through learning um, online. So it ranges from that. And then it could be, as I'm still working with the Socceroos, trying to help a, a person through a bit of a challenging time because they're on the bench and we all know what that feels like at times, Uh, or they're on the field and they've got to take a penalty uh, for a grand final. So it can range from those things too. But the principles pretty much are are the same in every, in every instance. How do you, how do you coach someone to take that penalty in the grand final? I mean, we, we've, we've seen the, uh, the Euros recently and, and, and of course the Olympics, but how do you coach that? That must be so difficult. It is difficult and it's everything and it's the same for everything that we learn. I, as you know, Henry, because we play football together, uh, as you know, I'm okay, but I'm not the superstar. 
Um, but what it comes down to is a fundamental that initially it's the technical and ta- the technical practice that you need to actually undertake and create that moment where you can take a penalty. I can't teach that. I can't teach the technical skills for that. But what I can do is actually help someone to be in a calm frame of mind in that moment that they're able to shut out all the noise and give them those those hints and helps. And also, as you know, with the work that you do, because uh, you know I've seen you on TV a number of times and I've heard what you've done, heard your podcast, communication and language is such a fundamental too. So you, you can say a word and you can say it in a sentence and that can actually then really, really change the way that the physiology is within within that space. So it's things like that that we're doing. I'm not focusing on the technical. I'm actually focusing on trying to get the person in a zone where they can at least breathe <laughs> uh, in front of 50,000 people to concentrate on what they're very good at doing, which they already have that skill. It's interesting, isn't it? And, and just uh, taking it off uh, slightly uh, to finance, I guess, is that you know we're, we're bombarded with information in finance. We have so much noise uh, going on in our heads about the Fed, about uh, reporting season, which we've got going at the moment, and what a company's doing, and viruses, and Delta variant. How, how does an investor try to shut out that noise? How, how, how can we do that as an investor? Well, you know something. When we were kids, let's go back to, to our, our, you know, um, our genetics or even just perhaps beyond that. When we were kids, I don't know about you, mate, but we're probably similar sort of vintage. But I was never taught how to speak specifically or to communicate. And I was never taught how to sleep specifically. But for some reason, I know how to do it. Sometimes it goes awry. It doesn't work. But most times I know how to do it. <clears throat> and it comes down to the same thing about removing noise. To actually say, let's remove the noise, which some people, commentators do, sounds obvious. It's difficult to do for the simple reason that people have never done it before. So what you have to do is to do what we do in everything that we come good at, is to practice removing the noise. So the starting point to me is always about our awareness of ourselves and our awareness of how we're actually doing or feeling um, or coping within a certain moment in time. But sadly, most people don't give themselves the time to do that. But once you start doing it, it's extraordinary how much you notice. And when it comes to finance, you know, I mean, you're dealing with, and I'm sure some of your listeners are dealing with huge, huge numbers, which is sort of the opposite antithesis of what I have to deal with um, quite often. But it's actually breaking that down and saying, okay, I've got a, a deal of 500 million or a billion or 2 million to deal with or a, a choosing a new house and actually starting to be aware of yourself when you're getting through the process of actually either making the decision or before the decision or after the decision. So that's where I will start with everybody. But we don't mm. give ourselves time to do it. No, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Sometimes I, I know from my own experience, you, you look at the market and it's almost like, the matrix when when you can suddenly see all the numbers behind it all that green uh, all those green numbers flowing down you can see everything so clearly and there are other times when i guess that is just not possible and you can't see the matrix how do you get out of the funk when you can't see the matrix is there a technique that you can uh, help some of our listeners with in terms of getting out of that funk, if you get yourself into a bit of a rut, whether it's trading or whether it's a, a sporting performance 
side of things. How do you get people out of the rut? There, there are there are there are several things. So I'm gonna I'll certainly give you a couple of little techniques that are, you know, things that people go, oh yeah, that sounds easy, which in fact <laughs> it is. Which in yeah. fact it is. The only thing you have to do is to actually spend time doing it. Now, as you know, we both we're both music fans and we love music and we've been involved in music. But I'll just give you an example. I know for a fact, and you'll know other stories, that there are people who would go on stage and you wouldn't even notice the pressure that they were feeling before they went on stage or on stage. I've experienced it myself, yet they weren't using techniques. They're frightened to death. They weren't having giving techniques about dealing with this. So one of the things, and this is actually real right now, one of the things that I've been doing recently with a couple of high-performing footballers, they're, they're European players, they play in the European leagues, is actually helping them with breathing techniques. And again, remind, reminding you know uh, whoever's listening in, the first thing is to actually be aware of yourself about how you are, how you're feeling, how you, you notice all that. And then the breathing techniques, one of them that I've done, and there's plenty of them that I, I give to people, is it's about focus attention, is what I call 7-11 breathing. The reason why I call it 7-11, because 7-11 is good to remember. <laughs> yeah. and, and, yeah. it's not, and it's really simple. So when you're feeling a bit worried and a bit anxious, it's about taking the time out away from the screen. And it could be two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, Henry. It, it doesn't have to be sitting on a beach overlooking the beautiful ocean. This is like a, you can do this in your home. And what I get them to do is to just seven counts of your own counts in through your nose, hold for two, 11 counts out, hold for two. Seven, two, 11, two. And, and if it's not working, it's a bit uncomfortable, then you change to seven, 10 or six, nine, but to suit you, because we're all different. And we start to do that. And what I'm trying to do is to get them to refocus, reset from the things that they're facing them, which could be agitating them. And it's really interesting when you just focus on something which is so basic and so fundamental called breathing or breath, how your perspective changes. Because as we know, the only thing we've got in life is, is, is now, actually. And now has just gone again. <laughs> and now has. Yeah. We, we haven't got what happened yesterday. We have a future that we're trying to con- get a bit more control of. But in this now moment, it's actually starting to notice that, that actually everything's okay right now. And so there's one simple one. I, I think the other one I'm going to, and these are just basic, some fundamentals, and I'll give you kind of a broader model. The other one is that we've probably heard, and you've heard it, people talk about visualization. But visualization to me is kind of a misnomer because people don't actually use all the senses. We've got so many senses. You know, I've got five. We've actually got a few more than that because we've got a sense between us right now as we're talking. There's another energy. But in those senses, it's about when was the moment that you loved in some time in your life? And there'd be hundreds of them, particularly when you're feeling a bit sad at the moment. The moment you loved, that you felt anxious, that you, you can say everything felt great. And where was it? When was it? What time was it? What were you wearing? What were people around you wearing? What were the senses like? What did you hear? What did you notice? What did you feel? What did you smell? And all those things are so significant because through my training in neurobiology and behavioral sciences, essentially what you're doing is you're reminding the mind, your brain, because the brain doesn't know what's real and what isn't. It hasn't a clue. So you're reminding it of a special moment and a beautiful time which actually then starts to change the neural 
firing pattern, the neural circuits, and the firing of those neurons to get yourself into a calm space. And when you're in a calm space, you can make better decisions. It's funny, isn't it? It's been a sad week for uh, for the world, I think, in, in a number of facets. But uh, yeah. one thing, of course, Charlie Watts has died this week. And uh, Charlie is, is one of my sort of heroes. I've always been a massive Stones fan. And of course, as he has died, sadly, we're seeing a lot of kind of Charlie stuff pop up on Facebook. And one thing that I saw, and this goes back to the thing you were talking about with breathing, is the thing he did before he went on stage. I don't know whether you've seen this little video clip. And he talks about, he hides behind uh, one of the big stacks before he goes on. And he just stands there, taking it all in. And Keith's on one side. Keith likes watching, apparently, uh, or liked watching. And Charlie does this little dance, this little jig, and gets himself in the rhythm. It's really interesting, and it's a really cool little dance. I think uh, I think Jagger must have learned some his moves from it. But it's a really cool little dance, and it was such a sweet thing. And you can just see him just breathing and taking it all in just before he goes out and faces, you know, fifty to a hundred thousand screaming fans who, uh, you know, are just going nuts for the band. But it was such a nice moment, I thought. And I guess it goes back to what you're talking about. We're taking that time to breathe. Yeah, you know, no question about it. I mean, um, without going, taking it in a direction, you know, you take it wherever you want on this, Henry. But but I had that amazing fortune to meet him um, in Hong Kong quite a number of years ago. And I was, I, I've never forgotten it. One is he had time for me and for some of my friends on the stage in between sound checks and things like this. Mm. And the second thing was I just was so – and then I met him later as well um, that evening between, before they went on stage. He's had this extraordinary calm aura about him. And I, I know from what I've learned about myself and I've also known from watching really great successful people so you can talk about finance here, you can talk about anything. You know, look at Mandela, his attention to himself, his awareness of how he impacts the outcome of something through by being calm is a significant thing. So this is a, a fundamental to us. And I don't know about you, but, but, you know, right now, sitting in home, it's a beautiful place I've got. Um, but I do find that I don't get the balance right on on time because, in fact, there is scientific evidence to demonstrate how we actually optimize this thing called the mind. And I would guess, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but I would think that any investor, it doesn't matter what they're investing in, needs to be in a calm frame of mind, even if they're having to move quickly because it becomes unconscious in order to get the best results possible. No guarantees, right, on everything but still you're aiming for the best result. So there is an optimal way of doing that. Uh, and it's not just focused on, oh, you need focus and attention on what you're doing because you want to be good at it. So that if that's looking at the market or if it's actually investing in a property or changing superannuation or whatever it is. But essentially, it's about making sure you get the balance right of how you use your time. It's a boring old person who's just going to look at the screen all day and think that's going to work. I don't know what the optimal is for a person, but they've got to get that right. And they need to rest and sleep and rest well, which is actually, funny enough, is where I will start in, in, in the conversations when people are feeling quite anxious. How do, we, how do you rest? How do you sleep? 
I, I guess that comes down to knowing yourself, knowing your strengths and weaknesses, and finding that that th those strengths and weaknesses and harnessing those to to do whatever you do uh, as best as you can, whether that's running a hundred meters, playing football against uh, Arsenal, or, or playing in the stock market. I guess it's no different. No, I don't think so. And the, and the other thing is. Um, and this is this is this is a telling one, and, and I'd be interested to know your thoughts on this because it's your this is your world, but it, it's a telling one. It's also a bit frightening sometimes. So you know, in, in big corporations, big businesses, and I remember when I was at EY, this happened to me. They said we're going to do a three hundred and sixty on you. Uh, <laughs> Got to be honest, this was, and, and I'm trying to be open, right? I'm trying to be open, and yeah, yeah. what a great idea. Inside, I'm thinking, this is the last thing I want to do. What, people are going to just check me out and tell me how bad I am and all these sort of things. So I'd already built a picture of failure as well because that's how powerful the mind is. I'd already built that picture. I don't like it. I don't want it. don't understand it. never done it before. Da, da, da. And it wasn't a bad experience, but I learned something significant about it, which I do do. And I think everyone has got to find this. If you're an investor – Big investor if you're not. And I know it sounds, it's common sense again, but it means you've got to be brave. And that is finding someone that cares about you so much. And I don't mean your partner generally, because that's a given, but someone that they care about you so much that they will listen and then share that knowledge and give you honest feedback about what you did and maybe how you can overcome it. And that's not easy either because you've got to be very open about that. And um, But, you know, it's easy to go to your mate and say, guess what happened? I put these shares in, blah, blah. You know what happened? Over turn. And he'll just put your arm around you. Oh, mate, don't worry. But we're talking something yeah. different here, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's, um, it, it's funny when you mentioned the whole 360 thing. Back in my Macquarie Bank days, uh, they did the whole 360 thing wow. for, for their senior um, divisional guys. And I was part of that and got sent on the leadership development program down at Monash on the Mornington Peninsula down at Mount Eliza, which was an interesting and I would say confronting experience. Maybe not so much for me. Maybe I was a little cavalier about it, but it was certainly an interesting insight into how some people and and also some cultures because it was a, a very multicultural event we had a lady from png who came down she was part of uh the bhp octeddy uh project up there we had a gentleman from japan who was absolutely at sea he had no concept he was this was such an alien concept for him to be criticized by his peers or or praised by his peers uh, and up and down and all around, he just freaked out completely. He lasted two days and then had to make excuses to go back to Tokyo. So it, it was an interesting experience. I, I was probably, um, being a trader, I was maybe a little more cavalier about uh, some of the aspects of it. And uh, some of the, the people sent from government frustrated the hell out of me because they just wouldn't do anything. They wanted to, you know, to they couldn't make a decision. They wanted, you know, all those exercises where you have to get across the river because the shark's going to bite you and all this sort of stuff. It was absolutely beyond them. They couldn't couldn't cope with the fact you had to do rather than just think. So it, it's certainly an, an interesting thing to do. I, I must admit, I've, I've got the tape because you, you spend some time with a psychologist, probably like yourself, mm -hmm. and I've still got the, the tape, and this is how long ago it was. It was back in 1990. 
95, 96. So it's a few years ago. But I've got the tape of the interview and all the all the sort of the what people said about me at the time. It was it was confronting, I guess. I haven't actually ever gone back and listened to the tape. Maybe I should. Yeah, I like, interesting. I, I like you said tape. That shows something about it. And I have been to yeah. that, but it's interesting. Yeah. But, you, but but I think you just said something which is incredibly incredibly important here. And it comes back to, you know, how we're using this amazing grey matter. When I think about the mind, I don't actually think about the brain. Actually, I think about something much bigger than that <clears throat> because it self-regulates. That's the most amazing thing about it. It's not like the regulated market. It self-regulates. You pick up some more knowledge and it then grabs it and it starts to use it in a different kind of way. And we're, we're connected. You know, our energy and information flows between us. So it's, it's a bigger thing than that. But what you said then was about doing thinking and doing and you know I, i'm with you that you've got to do something so all the work that i'm doing and it's not about me i'm doing it for someone to help them to grow develop but it's about them doing something it's a pointless exercise i become irrelevant if someone doesn't respond or doesn't actually take an action as a result of my work and so, therefore, and I would guess, and you tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the world's greatest investor. Uh, I don't do. I, I've have invested. I do invest, but I, I've, I, we can talk about that as well about what, how we do it, because there's a different perspective, I suppose. But very, very important. Back to the penalty, and back to these things in difficult times. And it sounds very obvious again. Is is having a goal and being clear about that goal. So as an example, I think I was saying earlier to you, you know, before we started, I was watching, I love Grand Designs, right? I love Kevin McLeod, how he cheekily <laughs> kind of never believes the budget, ever. No. no. Ever. <laughs> and he's there and he's saying, and he's really curious about how much. So how much is, how much is spending? Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah. Yeah, I can't see that working, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but I was watching one yesterday on the Isle of Wight, which for anyone that's listening is a, is a small island down the south, just off the south coast in, in, in Britain. And this couple had had, um, the guy had had a brain uh, hemorrhage. He'd had a very, very serious illness. And it was kind of almost, we have to do this. We have to do it. So he left, he got a place in Surrey, just just west of London, or thereabouts, and he wants to build this house. And he didn't have a budget. It was on, but I seriously had no budget. It's just going to be this big, and it was the biggest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And, of course, you can tell what happens. He then said, oh, well, it should be about that, but it doesn't matter if it isn't. And he went on and on and on and on. And you could see through the hour program or 45-minute program the anxiety and stress levels of this guy and this lady as they went forward, unsurprisingly failing at every hurdle in relation to their investment plan. But mm. in the end of it, had this beautiful house with huge debt. But yeah. maybe, and I thought my brain's going, because I would not take that risk, I don't think. But maybe I was wrong in the fact that actually the goal was always there and the goal was just build this amazing big house and that's and be done with it. That's all I want. I know the backstory, the, the outcome of is that two or three years later they had to sell it because they were in so much debt and they sold it for less than they paid for it. Hmm. But goal to me is a fundamental. So what is the goal here? And it's kind of a, a good metaphor, isn't it, for soccer or whatever. The goal hmm. is to score a goal. That's what I have to do under pressure. Yeah. Or the goal is I have to 
get this kind of return. I mean, you're a trader. I can't imagine, you know, what it was like. But, um, you, you know, it was unbelievable times, I guess. Yes. But I, I have quite a life now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but is that true? I mean, you'd have goals and, you know, targets and all sorts. But people who are investing, typically, you know, if they are in anxiety mode, is actually then what I go back is is to then reflection time. So we're talking about visualization, we're talking about breathing and talking about those things and awareness. But I'm then now talking about reflection time. So if you miss that goal, well, what actually happened and what do you learn from it? So it's not a mistake. It's the learning moment. And I guess we always learn from our, this is especially the case in stock market, we learn from our mistakes, but we don't really learn so much from our successes. We have this sort of mentality, and we talk about a lot in the newsletter at Marcus Today, in that you know, right. if you find yourself punching the air um, because you've done so well, you need to calm down a little bit because sometimes it's more luck than good management, and you're not really learning anything necessarily from the punching the air moment apart from you got lucky, whereas you do tend to learn a lot more if you've, if you've got something wrong, taken a loss, how you deal with that, how you bounce back, I think is a far better learning experience. It's not as profitable, obviously, but it's a far better learning experience for the investor, for the trader or whatever, than uh, that punching the air moment when th- there's a moment in uh, GoldenEye, I'm a James Bond fan as well as a Stone right. fan. I'm really showing my age. And the uh, when they're in the rush in the dome in Russia, and uh, there's Ivan the terrible, the the sort of the whiz kid on the computer, uh, jumps up as he's spiked somebody's computer with his virus. Says, "I am invincible," and um, it's um, it, it's an interesting moment because it, it kind of it's that punching the air moment, and you think, "No, mate, it's not going to end well. James is going to get you." He's going to get you. Someone's going to get you. You're going to get a bullet between the between your ears any second now. So oh my God. it's interesting, isn't it? It, it? it is. But then, but then, you know, the other thing is though, when when mistakes mistakes happen, and also when you do get a win, then it's also taking you know taking responsibility because what it's also doing from a neuro a neurobiology point of view. What's also happening, and this is what people don't actually appreciate, because it's this huge, incredible, most complicated, extraordinary machine, like bigger than anything that IBM ever built or Microsoft or Apple, and they'll never get anywhere near it, even though they're all clever people, is actually fine-tuning, if you allow it to, the experience for the next one too. But mm. you've got to allow it to. You've got to give it that space to do that, which comes back to reflection. So, yeah, you know, take responsibility for those mistakes and take responsibility for the successes too. And I don't mean the ego becomes the size of a ship, but that actually, that's also part of the practice process. Because mm. to me, you know, practice and learning is every single piece of it, which has come down to the, 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 the most successful elite athletes I work with are incredibly gifted at accepting and acknowledging the mistakes they made, accepting, acknowledging success, and they love it, you know, grand finals, whatever it is, very good at doing that and celebrating it. My God, my goodness. <laughs> but but also then actually utilising those experiences as, an, as a, a performance improvement process. And again, I suppose, and again, I, I don't know, it's not my world particularly, but I suppose with investment some investment take a long time so you're actually thinking shall we invest in this huge big you know road road development should we invest in this huge big building should we invest in you know acquiring a business or whatever it is those things are a little longer so you've got some time to do that 
Um, but, you know, those things where perhaps you are trading or you're actually, well, the, the market's gone. I had an experience of this, by the way, last year, but I'll tell you about that in a minute. It's pretty funny. Um, but, um, but, but you haven't got as much time, but it's absolutely essential. And, and trust me on this one, <laughs> listeners, it's not yeah. just essential because it's good for you. It's essential for your mind to work in the optimal capacity. So even though it feels like you're taking time out, maybe, that's okay because you're going to need that time because that time reframes everything and then mm. you're off and running. Common mm. sense, but at the same time, it's real. It's scientifically proven that. Um, so that's important. Yeah. So come on then, tell us, spill. Tell oh, us yeah, yeah. Well, you know, look, my, my, my investment plan, mate, I, I am such a, you know, such a novice. I mean, I, <laughs> like, I, went, to, I went to EY and I, I worked at Deloitte and I was um, – I also run some sizable businesses as well. Um, but I did an MBA and what have you. So, you know, I can remember those green numbers you're talking about in the first instance, like, what the hell's that? Of course, there were also people in striped suits running around the, <laughs> the floor yeah. as well, which I never understood. You know, what, yeah. who's what and what have you. So it was a bit, of a bit of a cloudy, murky experience for me. And so investing in shares has been very, very basic. You know, when NRMA decide to give you shares, that's cool. You know, it's that kind of stuff. And yeah. then superannuation has been something that I've constantly tipped in, constantly, ever since I've been young. And it's actually thinking about the longer haul, which we're getting closer mm. to every day, then that's yeah. good. That's really good. Done all right on that. But mm. I give it to someone who I know has got more skills than me. That's been my approach. I haven't got the skills. So find someone who does, which means yeah. I try and stay from a, a risk viewpoint in the flags that I understand. So property, which is my own home, my dad was a builder, so I didn't, I didn't um, invest in property. And I thought, well, <laughs> one house is enough to maintain, one house. Maybe what I should do is, is invest in superannuation and obviously my business, yeah. next venture. And my kids, that's my family, and that was my investment. However, last year, I started getting real clever because, <laughs> because um, if, if, if I was looking at this COVID situation, Henry, and I was thinking, I think, because I'm a strategist, right, really, by, by tra training health strategists, I thought, wonder, yeah. wonder what's going to happen to this. So I started doing a bit of enjoyable searching around, enjoyable, and I thought, if someone can actually nail the vaccine – I could be in with a bit of a shout here. So myself and my business partner, we, we enjoyed it. We looked around and we found, now, of course, everyone's heard of it, Moderna. Oh, yes. We found Moderna early, early, before COVID went ballistic. Yeah. And I was going, this is cool. So we invested a little bit of money in this. And the thing is, back to goals, we went, you know what? This is about investing X amount. And it was a few thousand dollars. It wasn't like it wasn't $200, but it wasn't millions. Yep. I wasn't betting myself. I invested that, and a few months later, suddenly these shares are they're going up and up and up, and I was going, whoopee, look at me. And I was getting yeah. a real buzz over it. It was amazing. I got these shares. Anyway, we sold out when it was, and we got three and a half times what we paid in a really short time. This morning, I just I was sniffing around. I, before we got on, I looked at it again. I went, oh, my God. It's like 12 <laughs> times, 12 times now. And this is the thing. So clearly I'm not a trader. But 
it's really interesting about the goal comes back. And I thought, thought back and went, oh, I should have stayed it. Then I was realized and reminded myself, do you know what? What I got out of that was really good. And I learned a bit. Hmm. So that was my experience. But I haven't done anything else since. <laughs> and, and clearly the strategist in you saw the opportunity. Um, yeah. And it's easy to get, uh, you know, and we've seen this with lots of young people sitting at home bored and the, the meme stocks and all the, the growth in trading. It's easy to get kind of hooked to the, the dopamine of success and getting that. You know, yeah. I know that myself when I was, you know, back running the trading division at Macquarie, it was easy to get hooked on big numbers and big success and toasting things and people patting you on the back. It's very easy to get hooked on that. Uh, it's a bit like the pokies, I guess, in some respects. So um, you, you did well, though, three and a half times your money. That, that's pretty good. Is it? That's, that's, that, you're, not, you're no slouch, mate. You, oh, you man. shouldn't, Maybe you shouldn't do yourself more. an injustice. You, you spotted the opportunity before an awful lot of people did. Well, um, yeah, but you see, but again, you know what? what in tr- truth, though, Henry, you know, I'm, I'm sort of still sticking to what I know because hmm. it's health-related. Um, if you said, oh, I'm just throwing names there because I've seen them, you know, Rio, well, a bit, BHP, Rio Tento, you know, a, a gold mine or, you know, some nickel, what have you, I'd go, okay, I am really out of my comfort zone there. And, yeah. I, and I'm thinking that this is also the important aspect of, of what we learn is actually not sticking to the knitting because I think that's a bit harsh, but I think it's actually before you do something, you know, find out and know what you know and try and understand that. So again, back to the penalty taking thing. <laughs> you know, people like people was people were having a go at Gareth Southgate in England of England. Okay. And I've been involved in three penalties. I'm not don't want to just talk about football, but take me somewhere else if you want to on this. But no, no, keep going. But I'm there were three fan, you know that. I've been I've been involved in three penalty shootouts mm-hmm. at professional level. And I'm not talking about taking them, but I mean involved in trying to help and support and encourage and what have you. And thankfully, we've won all three, which is not a bad result as well. That's but, good. Three yeah, on three. It is, but, but it's not all me. It's a, about an approach that you take, and there is definitely an approach. But what people did at the Euros when England were taking, you know, taking the penalties, and and did they lose? Well, you got to a final and it came to penalties. I think yeah. you just didn't get a trophy. I don't think they lost. It was just an amazing experience. And they got criticised for the young guys that went up to take those penalties at the end. What they'd just come on and they'd given the... And people really gave them heat on that. And I said to someone when they asked me what I thought of it, I said, you know, you don't realise, you don't realise the implications of this, that when you look at someone in the eyes and you say to them, can you do this? Can you do this? And you see uh, the eyes that say, no, nah, I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. Because that's enough for me. You can't yeah. actually, you know that the result is likely to be a poor one. So it just so happened those two boys that went up and took those, those penalties were young and what have you. But I would absolutely guarantee some of those other guys just weren't up for it. They couldn't do it. No. They weren't in the zone. And that that's really important. So back to the point about being calm and being in the moment is about, I know when I can't make Good decisions. I actually am that aware about myself. I can't. And again, I keep saying to this to people, and it's like, yeah, okay, I heard that. But it's about how are you going to do that? Noticing when your decision making is really good and when it isn't. As an example for this, there's an amazing study done about people making decisions, and this is quite brutal making decisions about people going on bail, right? So they'd have a 
they'd have a, 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 a board, you know, and they would sit there, maybe four or five people, someone would come in, and they realised that it was more likely that people would get off on bail when the board were not hungry. Right. So as soon as as soon as it got to just before lunchtime, right? You know, this stuff. So, so sorry, the decision making. Sorry, the decision making was more more effective. So it was either yeah. whether or not oh, we can't be bothered. No, we're going to have to leave it. It was people getting hungry. Yeah. And and it's the same for us. So you know, meetings, decisions. When are we in our best zone for decision making? Um, and some people are really good at early morning, and some people late at night. And they go, "Well, oh, that's my job. That's how it is." But it's still understanding that. So for your world and, and investment decisions, some of them are big, big things to do. It's about making sure you've got the right time to do it in the right time. It's interesting, isn't it? I've always been a, a late night person, but have you? Due to yeah, uh, but due to the the fact that I have to write uh, first thing in the morning, I've had to sort of readjust my time clock to some extent. So right. I, I tend to think of the ideas at night and then hope they stay in my brain until the morning and then at least I've got that sort of it's more a regurgitation than anything else and rather yeah, than coming that, up with great. sorry mate was that because um in your days trading and banking that that was the time you're working or is it always if you think about your life is that something that's just turned up um I, I think it's just the way I was wired I've always been um working during the day but during my career at Macquarie I had to spend a lot of time at night uh, keeping an eye on things and being woken up in the middle of the night but I'm, I'm quite good at being a night person I'm quite happy to kick on maybe it's just that I'm a good party person sometimes <laughs> maybe that's it maybe I'm maybe I'm confusing the two issues slightly but um, but certainly I was never really a great early morning person and I have to to get by I have to have certain routines in the morning which mean that I don't have to think about certain things the, right. the breakfast the coffee turning on the machine what I do my routine in the morning it's all routine it doesn't right. take a lot of imagination um, whereas I tend to think more imaginatively and creatively at Amazing. night see so, that's so that's a real awareness piece don't forget you put your socks on before shoes in the morning when you, anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh but, but, but sorry mate yeah no it's just uh yeah it's just I've, I've sort of you try and um i guess make things routine so that that's one less thing that you have to think of. i've always kind of thought the brain's a bit like one of those um you know those usb sticks you can only put so much information on it and if you start oh. putting too much information on it then it starts to go badly wrong so it's best to try and keep the stuff that's routine off the stick and just the yeah, yeah. stuff on the stick so, so, that so that, that's a really good analogy actually analogy although the fascinating thing about the brain is that it can actually keep growing in terms of its knowledge but until that's the, the capability it has. Maybe, maybe yours, Mike, but, no, but no, mine, no. unfortunately, has finite finite capacity, I've found. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's just about that short-term memory thing. But, you know, um, I'm just wondering then if you're a night person and I'm a morning person, because I am generally, um, which was a bit of a challenge when you're playing, you know, playing music late at night. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was. But how are we going to do our major investment together? Like when are we going to do that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to work on that one. Now, now before we go, because we are, we could talk for hours. Yeah. Um, we're in the middle of 
COVID lockdown in, in New South Wales. Uh, you and I are both uh, uh, somewhat restricted in our movements. H- how are you coping with, with lockdown? Um, do you know, I, I'd be as honest as I always try and be really honest. I think I'm doing okay, actually. I, I, I'm not going to be, I'm an optimist by, by chance, but you have to learn optimism as well. So that's the other thing. We're all, mm. we're all started off as pessimists and you've got to work at it. But mm. I, I tend to be an optimist. But I've just got these little pieces. So you're talking about routine, a little piece of things that I do. I've got, I'm very thankful I've got a, a, a good home. Um, so I'm able to move around a bit. And that flexibility helps me. I know that connectivity, so seeing you actually, I saw you down the street a few weeks ago. It was really, yeah, it's fun. Really cool. You're doing a walk. But it's really nice. It's genuinely nice to see you, to talk about things that I'm not normally talking about in detail. is really helping me. And it is. It's, it's, a, it's a joy to do this. Um, yesterday, I went to my office for the first time for eight weeks. So I'm at the Academy of Sport in Narrabeen, and the actual site is closed. Mm. And I've struggled with that a bit. But it felt weird going back to the office. But my team, our team, not mine, but our team, are all over the place. And I find that very difficult. And then the second, the other part is that I had uh, my first grandson born at the weekend. Congratulations. Thank you, mate. Uh, It was nothing. (laughs) You know know what I mean? Mere bag of smell. But but it was... It, but it was it was um, it was really interesting because Denise, my wife, and myself, I started to feel this pang of you know I really feel a bit annoyed that I can't see him. Hmm. So, in a nutshell, most of the time I'm okay, but there are times and moments where I feel annoyed and a bit grieved about the fact. And 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 maybe I'll add another word: is a bit bewildered about this yeah. this feeling. It's weird. You know? I think we're all a bit. Bewitched, bewildered, bebothered, and bewildered to some uh, extent. Right. With, yeah, yeah. But but, I, I would say, but I would say that in 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 the state of things, I'm certainly not. See, my, my daughter's. I'll just tell this final one. My daughter's a psychiatrist, and she's at one of the big hospitals in 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 the city. And to hear the challenges that people are facing through this, so people who are maybe suffer a bit of anxiety, becoming you know psychotic over it. You know, that is really troubling. That, that, that's sad. But that comes down to, you know, how are people around them dealing with it as well? So I tend to try and be optimistic and positive. And so if I get a call from someone, I'll always take a call. I'll also reach out to a few friends and say, how are you traveling? Which I do, even though it's of no value to my financial, mm-hmm. financial gain. It's actually, this is about just caring for people. Yeah. And that actually, and the weird thing about that, and this is the final point I was going to make on it, is that, that makes me feel good because you get a, a bit of joy coming through back to your life. So giving can be a selfish thing. And I think that helps me in this period. Good advice. Now I can't let you go, mate, without talking about the wiggles because uh, it's, it was obviously a, a part of your life and it's yeah. something I'm sure that will interest people. So, so how did that come about and, and how was the experience? It would have been a fantastic experience. I would imagine. Um, it, it, both, it was amazing. So it came about, I think, again, le- lessons in life. I found that um, generally when I want something to happen and I really care about something, they happen naturally rather than forcing them. So that's anything that, that you want. So, it's, you know, you can go for a goal, but if you force it, I really struggle with that. It's certainly not worked for me. But I met one of the Wiggles, Yellow Wiggle. He had a business card that said Yellow Wiggle as well. 
uh, Greg Page, <laughs> um, through kids at school. So there's another, right. there's another lesson. You never know who you're going to meet. Treat yeah. people with kindness. Treat people with care. Treat people with respect because you never know what's going to happen. I had no thought that I'd be part of this journey with him. But I mm. met him. We started talking about music. We ended up, funny enough, we started talking about um, the tour they were doing to England. Right. And you, Henry, would have been able to provide just as much advice as I could on that about you don't go from Bristol to Glasgow and then Glasgow down to Colchester. That doesn't make sense. You know, that kind no, of thing. that definitely doesn't make sense. And, and for Aussie <laughs> listeners, it's like saying, let's go from Sydney over to Perth, then back to Melbourne and up to Darwin and then across the Brisbane. It, 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 so, and it wasn't that they had that, but it was just trying to give them some clarity on a few things around that. From there, did a project with them about um, standards because I was GM at Standards Australia for, for a period of time, five years, and about standards on the, um, the stage and protect, making sure that kids were safe when they went to the show. So I did some work on that. And then gradually got pulled in to work on the business, running the business of the Wiggles. Um, I had a, a colleague who was Anthony's brother, Paul Field, who would focus on, you know, essentially the creative marketing and what mm. have you. Um, although I'm quite creative, but I knew what my station was. It was all operational. Um, and then it was really, they were so good and kind because they gave me the space to explore and develop a strategy, which was a global one. So essentially for 10 years, it was, what can I do with a piece of music which can then translate into, you know, was originally videos, then DVDs, and then digital? How do we actually take this piece of content and put it on TV channels all around the world? Uh, how do we turn it into different languages? How about wherever the Wiggles can't be, can we put them there? So I started mm -hmm. doing deals with, you know, Six Flags theme parks over in the US where we had themed licensed programs out there. Uh, what do you do with toys? So everything was connected, though, to the content we were creating, which was delivering a message, which was hope and optimism, but also teaching kids through their learning process, the early stage of learning, you know, numbers, colors, dot, dot. Um, the experience was extraordinary. It was mm. extraordinary. But, you know, it was nearly 11 years, and it came and went so quickly. It's hard to believe. But, you know, we did a lot of work, you know, we – I remember being at Madison Square Gardens. We did 11 sellout shows there at Madison Square Gardens. Yeah, I know. And people going, wow, big gig. Yeah, I said, yeah, they, they were. So we ended up on Triple Pursuits as a result of that. Um, yeah. You know, people like Shaquille O'Neal, um, Coldplay, Robert De Niro, people like that, Jerry Seinfeld, were in admiration of what these four guys created because it wasn't me creating it. They, they were amazing at it. But mm. because they all had kids and they saw the joy in their kids' faces. So they were very, very good at focusing on what they were good at doing, the market, and they kept true to what they were good at, meaning music and early childhood learning, and loved what they did. They absolutely mm. loved it with a passion. And so it made it easy. Um, and business-wise, we, you know, there was no debt until later when one of the Wiggles wants to leave, but there was no debt, and so we were able to make those choices all the way through without relying on, you know, a, with due respect to the banks, a big bank to actually yeah. push through in that period. Yeah. So it was it amazing, mate. You would have you would have loved it. I think you could have been a wiggle, Henry. I would have been the fat wiggle. <laughs> I don't know. But what about Jeff? I mean, I think about them. They're, 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 they're all... Wake up. Yeah, yeah. But what a great gig, you know, sleeping yeah. on stage. You get paid yeah. quite well for it. 
It's yeah, good. not a bad gig at all. No, but, but it's, it's a business. It's, it's, you know, it is. It's yeah. been an absolute delight talking to you today. Yeah. I've got to say, it's been fantastic. Um, we've, we've been nattering away for nearly, well, that's part of an hour. So it, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's great to have you on the show. I really enjoyed chatting to you. And I think there's some valuable lessons there for investors, traders, and for us as human beings as well. So I thank you. It's been an absolute delight. Thanks, mate. Oh, Henry, it's been a pleasure. It's really good to see you, you know. Um, no doubt we'll catch up at some time soon, but it's a great little programme. Appreciate you having me on.